lanes of the world come persistent reports of UFOs, unidentified flying objects which we have come to know as flying saucers. In Dayton, Ohio, the Air Intelligence Command gathers and sifts data from all quarters of the globe. 97% of the objects prove on investigation to be of natural origin, but 3% still are listed as unknown. The Air Force is aware of the widely held belief that some of these could be flying saucers from another planet. While there is nothing conclusive in the evidence, the probing and digesting of information about UFOs continues unceasingly. As a result, headquarters of the Hemispheric Defense Command in Colorado Springs issued an order. All military installations are to fire on sight at any flying objects not identifiable. But even as they did so, the military wondered whether their scientific know-how and their best weapons would be effective in any battle of the Earth versus... WCBN FM in Auburn. Well, uh, good evening. You are listening to WCBN FM in Arbor, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Trump's on vacation. I hope he stays there. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh... <laughs> he had a kind of a bizarre week culminating off, let's just put it charitably, three bizarre weeks in a row. Uh, imaginary calls versus real calls. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, the difference between the two. Um, obviously, it's the first week of... General Kelly in charge. And uh, up until this morning's tweet storm, uh, it looked like a case of so far so good. Uh, you know, all things uh, being what they are. And the whereabouts of Scaramucci are unknown. <laughs> uh, he was a, let's call him a tool. <laughs> a tool of the Donald. I think he might have been brought in to get rid of Rance Priebus. And, of course, Spicer's been out of the picture for many, many months. Well, and, of course, the big story over the weekend is that uh, Pence is quietly uh, stockpiling a cash reserve. Uh, got a pack of his own with a Greatness America sort of a, you know, framed title. And uh, the, the White House is really upset about this article. Mike Pence is a loyal supporter of... President Trump. Of course. Uh, of course, as we've been theorizing over the uh, past couple of months here, that the uh, Priebus, Spicer, Pence wing sort of alliance, yeah, yeah. Um, that there's some really interesting ways of looking at this, you know, tempest in a teapot over the weekend. Of course, what is the thing that fills Donald Trump with the greatest rage? The idea that anyone else is getting more attention or more talk than he is. Yeah, which might have been why Scaramucci got canned quickly. Indeed, he was he was the uh, man of the week two weeks ago, uh, and he didn't last long for obvious reasons. Not even long enough to be on the cover of the next Mad magazine. I hope they find a way to squeeze him in somehow. Yeah, and that uh, expletive deleted uh, interview well, with Ryan Lezza was astonishing stuff to say the least pretty astonishing but actually the look i'm looking at uh tuesday august 1st uh front page of the new york times and the picture is of the press corps uh 
in the uh, Oval Office as uh, Trump met with Kelly uh, for showing up for his first day in his new job. And everybody in the picture is looking at, of course, the president and his new chief of staff. But uh, the mooch is looking right at the camera and he's got that. Uh, when can I leave? Am I done now? Because I think he knew by then. Yeah. That would have been Monday. Uh, that was like Kelly's can... first official thing, right? was like, oh, by the way, the mooch is Arriva Dirce. Well, yeah, and he was fired on Monday afternoon. That was one of those stories that sort of break broke right before Gray Matters came on the air. So we dealt with him a little bit last week. But I think the extraordinary thing about the uh, Trump situation, and we need to get off it, I think, for a while. Um, of course, the imaginary phone calls to the Boy Scouts and the uh, president of Mexico were strange in and of themselves. Well, as is Huckabee Sanders' defense of them. Yeah. To say that and to, to you know assume that she expects to be taken seriously when she says— Oh, uh, the comments about uh, police brutality, that he was joking. Sure. That's a ludicrous claim. But to say about these fake phone calls, oh, these were actually conversations that happened in person. Uh, He just, to say that it's a lie is quite a bold accusation. Well, the thing that's ridiculous is, of course, he took... Glorifies, it's just BS. Yeah, and he took a lot of criticism for the Boy Scout speech for obvious reasons. But to claim that somebody in the Boy Scouts told him that it was the greatest speech he'd ever heard, uh, I don't think so. No, when in fact... I don't fact, think that happened in person or no. over the phone. In fact, the head of the Boy Scouts was compelled uh, to release a public statement yeah. uh, the next day saying, we deny and we're sorry about that. We're apologizing yeah. again. For the president of the United States, who of course loved leaks uh, a year ago, he uh, he was pretty active in in August of 2016 during the campaign, encouraging the media to leak. And uh, obviously, the the news that there's a grand jury that's now been impaneled to look at things, and that Mr. Kushner is under observation, <laughs> is yet another example of. Trump's real problems here, because I don't think uh, a prosecutor, um, Mueller, special prosecutor Mueller, is going to uh, back down in any way, shape, or form. Um, no, and, and uh, you know, the way these things work is the more they look at, the more they see, the more, you know, little threads are revealed. Uh, and now that they're onto the financial documents of Flynn, particularly, which is the specific request, who was hired by Trump, then this opens up the money bag, and of course, that's really where they've needed to look all along. Sure, because uh, his refusal to release his tax documents, as all you know, major public figures uh, do, uh, invites this kind of scrutiny. Um, who do you owe money to? Well, and the the other thing that's very interesting about the chronology of this uh, Russian story, and of course it's interesting that Corey Lewandowski has suddenly made a return to the good graces of Donald Trump, is that when I began looking at the actual chronology of the meeting happened on the 9th of June with uh, Donald Jr., uh, Jared Kushner, uh, who's the prince 
for all seasons. <laughs> In fact, I think he should rename himself General. He can be General General. <laughs> he's in charge of everything. And, of course, he's one of the competing uh, power fiefdoms in this interesting um, palace entry, Game of Thrones. We have to assume that he's allied with Ivanka Trump. <laughs> but even that... At may... least for the moment. <laughs> for the moment. I uh, wonder if he's going to end up under the bus at some point. Who knows? Um, I would think that Trump would save his son over Jared Kushner just as a matter of palace intrigue speculation. But what was interesting about this revelation about the campaign meeting is it now emerges that Trump wrote out a statement for Donald Jr., mm -hmm. previously undisclosed. And I'd always assumed that Paul Manafort was the campaign manager when this meeting happened. He was, of course, at the meeting. He was at the meeting. Well, it turns out he wasn't. And I found this very interesting. I was kind of reviewing some old uh, things that I saved fortuitously in which the headlines on the 21st of June are pressure rising, Trump removes campaign chief, anxiety over readiness, shift in strategy of aid who liked to be let Trump be Trump. Uh, Cora Lewandowski was removed from the campaign manager's position basically on the 20th of June. That's 11 days after the meeting. Who's put in his place? Paul Manafort. Aha! That's a very, very interesting example of linkage. And the irony of this, the fact that I even have this clipping, is I only saved it because the other article next to it is McCarthy aide helped shape young Trump. I saved this because this was about the history of Donald Trump and Roy Cohn, mm. <laughs> an infamous uh, demagogue who worked for Joe McCarthy. And, and uh, notorious sleaze. Yeah. <laughs> He eventually was disbarred, but it goes into the uh, fact that Trump had a close relationship with Roy Cohn uh, dating back to the 70s, and that Cohn did some legal work for Trump involving these fraudulent bankruptcies and some of his other mafiosa-related tactics, strong-arming, that kind of thing. Um then, of course, later in the week, we had actual transcripts of some real calls that Trump made. And what was striking about the real calls, and I, I unfortunately, I don't think I brought the article in. The Washington Post broke this story, by the way, uh, was that um, <laughs> one call involved the prime minister of uh, Australia and the other one was Prieto, of, uh, president of Mexico. And Trump is going into why he needs Prieto to guarantee he can't it's all about immigration and these are you know this is one of the the fortes of Trump's entire agenda uh, we've seen that back in the news with the reemergence of Jeff Sessions he was all over the the media last week with new announcements about no more Mr. Nice Guy <laughs> he's back He's going to crack down on ice. He's going to crack down on leaking. <laughs> um, and, of course, he's pursuing 
voter fraud. He's got a really full agenda. But I find it fascinating, getting back to Paul Manafort, that he wasn't even the campaign manager yet. And he, yet he was at this Trump Tower meeting with the Donald Trump Jr. and uh, Jared Kushner. And, of course, he is the one with numerous business connections and debts yeah. uh, with Ukrainian uh, Putin-allied politicians. And Russian banks, and that's what they're looking into. Kushner, of course, allegedly left the meeting early. I think he sensed uh, problems and cleared himself a couple of weeks ago after speaking to the Senate in private, which is fine. They're still conducting their investigation. But uh, I think that there are more and more emerging questions uh, coming up, and I think that uh, if Kelly has any success in pushing the reset button, and I and he, and he came out and said this bluntly, I'm not here to manage Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I'm here to manage the staff, <laughs> which basically was an admission that he wasn't going to be able to stop Trump from tweeting. And when you have all of these pseudo policies of Donald Trump, these proclamations, and this weird obsession with the campaign still. Well, what did he do last week? <laughs> he went to uh, West Virginia and had one of those heinous rallies in which the crowd was ginned up and began talking about jailing Hillary Clinton. You know, right? jail her, jail her. Lock her up. Lock her up, blah, blah. And that was, of course, Michael Flynn's uh, cheerleading role as a Donald Trump surrogate on the campaign. Mm-hmm. He became the national security advisor. And then by the end of the week, we have a bizarre article about conservatives call for McMaster's dismissal, which I assume might be a Bannon leak. (laughs) So the leaking is getting fascinating. And I hope Jeff Sessions can keep track of the three-card Monty (laughs) game about where that ball is. Well... (laughs) Uh, you know, the leak in question that really got everybody's back up in the sessions to the point where he's like, OK, we're going to actually start pursuing this was the one about the phone calls with the Australian prime minister and the Mexican prime minister. Yeah. And and the reason was that those were clearly from a White House staffer. The leak is the phone calls are coming from inside the house. Still is the scenario. Yeah. Priebus is gone. Spicer's gone. So, yeah, Bannon's a leaker. We know Trump's a leaker. Uh, there's a leaker in there somewhere. And it was refreshing to hear Rod Rosenstein say over the weekend that our job, our goal here is not to harass or prosecute uh, journalists right. who receive these leaks, but because they're just doing their job reporting information that they get. But the people in the White House who are doing the leaks. Well, and of course, during the campaign, Trump Trump loved leaks. He was encouraging... He openly called for them. Openly called for them. He was working with Julian Assange. Uh, I, I was reading an article the other day about uh, a late WikiLeaks leak in late October uh, that involved Hillary Clinton um, promising, quote-unquote, open borders... Uh, for the so-called New World, that, that and this was a speech she'd given four years ago somewhere at some time. It was very vague about where she actually delivered this speech. Uh, but those were the things that played a role, an enormous role, in the outcome of the election. 
So Trump was uh, was he loved leaking. <laughs> he encouraged it. And uh, for the shoe to be on the other other foot, in fact, there's actually a headline here. After election, love for leaks quickly faded. Dated uh, the 16th of February. And this, this was about the time where uh, Donald Trump was holding press conferences denouncing the media as the enemy of the people, quote unquote. And this, of course, is part of the playing the refs strategy of Donald Trump. I would say that in recent weeks we've seen thinking out loud, trial balloons galore, venting, <laughs> delusions of grandeur, and extraordinary delusions of adulation. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, last week he took credit for the economy. Look, the economy is in a cyclical growth cycle. Uh, this is part of a, quote, bull market, as they say, that will end up not crashing, but certainly correcting at some point. And well, it's hard to see what amongst anything he's done could be said to have been good for the market. Yeah. Well, he's he's his his claim is that he's bolstered confidence. Now, that's hard to prove or disprove. Um, certainly his supporters, uh, which is about a third of the country. And I think that that's the hardcore bottom of, of Trump's support. Uh, we've seen, by the way, in recent weeks that many of these senators uh, in Washington don't care about Donald Trump. They're not going to be strong-armed by him. Uh, he doesn't have a political base. And there's even a kind of a, a, a thing quite clearly now where, you know, I'm not going to speculate about Pence and what he's up to. Um I, I don't, you know, he's his claim is that he is forming these committees just in case Trump decides not to run for re-election. That's awfully speculative at this point. But unless he knows more than he's letting on regarding the viability of that candidacy. Well, yeah, there's the old uh, article uh, Amendment 25, Section 4, <laughs> that looms above Donald Trump as the sort of. Damocles, at any time it may come <clears throat> careening down all of the Game of Thrones with all the palace intrigue. It shouldn't surprise us. But uh, when Trump was making threats during the health care debate, uh, I think there were some senators who took great umbrage at that and pointed out to him, look, you're not that popular in my state. You may be popular in West Virginia. Notice that Trump keeps having his rallies in coal mining areas of the country or in Alabama. <laughs> you know, it's it's not like he's uh, having big rallies in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I'm or New York City. <laughs> or New York City. Um, so, yeah, his agenda is gone very, almost nowhere. He's basically allowed a lot of corporations to pollute he's expanded our wars abroad but he hasn't done anything for the economy he hasn't started that wall yet i keep wondering where it is he has not renegotiated nafta there's all sorts of reality checks that have put donald trump into the proverbial straitjacket where he remains yeah. but luckily his hands are just enough free. Fingertips are tweet ready. 
tweet ready from within the straight jacket that it did if he stays on this certain course, he may end up in a literal straitjacket. We don't know, but uh, it's it's uh, it's it's got some potential. Uh, of course, uh, one of the big stories of of the week, and of course we're into the slow season now with uh, everything going on. I love this uh, the story about the heat wave in Europe. It's being called Lucifer. Uh, and this, of course, is a heat wave that's affecting southern Europe, not as much northern Europe. Uh, they note, by the way, that in no heat in Germany. It's a, it's a cool 68 degrees Fahrenheit in Berlin and even chillier in Munich. Parts of Austria are being flooded. So there's no uh, heat in the German-speaking world. Reports are that Spain and Portugal are burning up. That's from Melissa Eddy. Yeah, dozens of wildfires, damaged crops, increased power and water consumption uh, throughout Italy, southern France, and much of Spain and the Balkans. Yeah. In fact, it, this uh, is in Sunday's New York Times. In the Alpine nation of Slovenia, the authorities reported this week the first ever, quote-unquote, tropical night at 4,920 feet. In the mountains. So uh, temperature, that meaning that uh, temperatures were higher than 68 degrees at night at that degree of elevation. And, of course, the, the record shows that the first six months of 2017 are the second warmest on record. We had this uh, very uh, bizarre 100-degree weather in Seattle, Washington, and Portland. Yeah, that uh, went for a few days. Very interesting discussion about the lack of air conditioners and the growth of air conditioning in some of these cities. These are places that 25, 30 years ago you simply didn't need an air conditioner. I actually believe in Michigan you can kind of get away with it uh, if you know how to open your windows at night and use fans and the cross breeze, but it sure comes in handy some of the time. Um, and don't be fooled, by the way, by any of the averages uh, by the end of the year. You know, the solar eclipse that's coming up. The 21st. Fascinating a uh, Monday event of, you know, not going to happen again. I think it's 26 years since the last uh, yeah. viewable one uh, from North America occurred. So this will be a fascinating event. But by the way, it actually gets cold for a while on that day. <laughs> You know, you you don't have the sun hitting the planet Earth. It's like when Montgomery Burns blocked out the sun in Springfield. It's it's going to um, cool down the Earth. In fact, maybe one of the solutions for global warming is to launch Donald Trump into space and allow his hair to block the sun as well as the size of his head. Uh, he's always seeking adulation. Maybe he can save human civilization as a partial <laughs> solar eclipse <laughs> at all times, and we can be graced by the fluttering of the dew, <laughs> the hair dew, the comb over. And for God's sakes, Donald, get off that hair growth medication. <laughs> it's affecting your mood. <laughs> That's my advice to you on vacation. Oh, it's not a vacation, he says. It's working I'm, vacation. I'm going to be meeting and talking to people on the phone and uh, playing lots of golf. Playing lots of golf and uh, talking to uh, the ghost of uh, Winston Churchill on the phone. Of course, we don't 
begrudge any president taking a vacation. That's it's appropriate, but uh, 17 days seems like a little long, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, meanwhile, all of the saber-rattling going on between the United States and North Korea is uh, troubling. Um, well, so- and, and, uh, South Korea, you know, allow them to play a larger role. The way that Trump is tweeting angrily at China yeah. is completely counterproductive. This is Tillerson's job, surely, to be in conversations with uh, his counterparts in China. How can we work together to address this situation? Simply haranguing China uh, via tweet is uh, rubbing them the wrong way. Well, and what I would be doing, and of course there's been a mixed signals from North Korea to South Korea. South Korea has a new, uh, more, <clears throat> shall we say, progressive um, president in power. The last one was impeached, by the way, in a uh, influence peddling scandal, <laughs> something that may end up uh, affecting Donald Trump and family. That's part of the troubling aspect of this presidency so far is all the conflicts of interest, all of the unknown connections with foreign banks, etc. The Trump Hotel in Washington is just another glaring example of nonsense from Donald Trump. Well, recently the uh, Secret Service has had to renegotiate their dwelling place because there's a contract dispute between Trump Tower in Manhattan and the government accounting office, I think, who handles the payments for these. You know, you got Secret Service guys there. They have to have a room. They got a room on a floor. Uh, But no longer they're staying in uh, a trailer down the street from Trump Tower. Wow. (laughs) That, to me, is a pretty remarkable story. I don't know where they would even find space to put a trailer I know. (laughs) Uh, Maybe they just blew up a... Scaramucci asset somewhere to make room for the trailer. Uh, yeah, but anyway, getting uh, I've been sort of jumping around here, but this idea that uh, Donald Trump is taking credit for the Dow and these jobs numbers, which are modest, they're not impressive, they're just modest. They may affect uh, <clears throat> future moves by the Federal Reserve. Uh, but this is part of a cyclical growth uh, uh, that started under Obama. And uh, tr- the reality of Trump's economics, by the way, will, will start on the 1st of October when they pass or don't pass his budget, uh, which has got a lot of controversial things in it. I think that it's exceedingly troubling that we are contemplating increasing military spending by $54 billion dollars. Because under these previous budget agreements, that means they have to cut $54 billion mm-hmm. from domestic spending somewhere, somehow. And when you hear about these draconian cuts proposed for NIH, Great Lakes water protection, it's just a panoply of domestic cuts that don't seem to me to be realistic. And this, I think, is one of Trump's great uh, shortcomings. Um he is simply not ready for prime time. He's too ready for prime time. He wants attention, but, you know, what would be nice on vacation if he, is if he read some American history, mm. acquainted himself with some of the real problems that America has that we know about that require 
ordinary solutions, bipartisan solutions. I've been utterly amazed that no um, infrastructure, real infrastructure proposal has even been made yet. This was something that was agreed to during the campaign. And another uh, topic uh, that there was clear bipartisan support for as far back as during the campaign is uh, additional funding to uh, assist families struggling with this opioid crisis. 142 Americans are dying a day of opioid overdoses. Yeah, and yet Trump, I believe, has actually proposed cutting uh, treatment for that Epidemic, pandemic, whatever you yeah, want to call it. Although his own commission uh, a couple of days ago uh, was requesting uh, waiving a federal rule that sharply limits the number of Medicaid recipients who can receive addiction treatment. By the way, it's uh, top of the hour here in, uh, in Ann Arbor. You are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We'd like to thank Andrew for engineering. Once again, Yazoo City Calling is coming up next. Very interesting to see uh, a corporation in South Carolina bail on a couple of nuclear power plants. We'll talk about that more next week. That's a mess. That's Walter Taylor and the Washboard Trio in the background doing the deal rag. Tony, it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host this evening for an hour-long excursion into the land of Delta Blues and early urban blues performed and lived by the men and women who started it all. This track, called The Deal Rag, found on a collection on Story of Blues of John Birds and Walter Taylor. This is Walter Taylor on vocal, accompanied by a, a washboard trio of unknown performers. And uh, according to Richmond, Indiana, February 1930. Okay, we still have nice, uh, balmy summer evenings out there, so I hope you're enjoying it, whatever you're doing. Keep that radio dial tuned to 88.3. It's Monday evening. We got early blues coming your way. We got Groovasaurus at 8 o'clock and Radio Ramalama 555 at 10. Thank you for listening to WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. Get 
Don't let it down. Don't let the deal fall down.